It is the final four of the NFL season. Mono y mano for the best teams in the AFC and the best teams in the NFC. Two enter on each side and two will remain at the end of Sunday. It is championship weekend here on the Sunday car. Dan Zampano, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silbreth, and our esteemed producer, Lemon Pepper Lou Pericone. Matt, I feel like Jim Nance in the booth right now. I feel like I am at the game uh, in Cincinnati or in Kansas City, in Philadelphia. I don't know what's going to be louder. I can imagine one's probably louder and the other is crazier, but it's going to be great either way. I'm so excited. Thank God you're Jim Nance and not Al Michaels and Tony Dungy, or we'd be falling asleep right now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, no, this is, uh, again, your your best weekend of the year last weekend was okay. There's still plenty of football. It was great. But I this weekend feels to me we are we are cooking up two special things coming with this game. So I, I'm getting the full – I'm doing a mini Super Bowl. I get the full menu going for this weekend. I'm very excited. Ooh. I'm very – like, I got a lot, like a lot rolling out here. I did buy – a five pound bag of chicken wings early this year and it's sitting in the freezer and it will continue to sit there until obviously the day of all days. So I would say the, the lemon pepper wings are coming out this week. So I know we know where Lou's going to be. Lou's going to be, Lou's going to be <laughs> hanging up, hanging out. I'm ready to eat my friend. You, you <laughs> go out with those wings. I'm ready to roll. I got the shirt on Patty's pub. You already know oh, where yeah. I'm going. I just came back from Vermont. I have two flats of beer. I'm like, I got like all the goods. I got all the, the heady topper and all the all the good stuff. But, which which I heard that you were an excellent, you're like Sean White out there I, for I, something. I took to ski and like a fish to water. I was like, I was worried I was gonna be, you know, George the jungle into the trees, like you know, Tarzan running right into him. But um, no, I just like made it down the first couple runs at each mountain, first time, didn't have to, didn't eat too much uh, you know, snow. It was fun. It's great. He's, he's mad. Like that, that was, he's an athlete. You know, you just said, let's ride. You, you took to the pow pow and let's ride. We did. You know, Matty ice, Matty pow, something like that. Oh, Matty pow pow. I love that. That's good. All right. Let's get after it then. Shall we? You're right. I mean, a divisional weekend really was kind of a dud, especially for you considering the picks. Oh. Uh, and I won't get into that. Well, we will get into yeah, that actually. We'll get into it. But, yeah, so uh, but from a game perspective, game to game perspective, one good game. Like I'd say, maybe Jacksonville, Kansas City was strenuous at times, but you never really felt like Kansas City was out of control of that game. Uh, even though a major injury did happen, they never really lost control. The only real great game was San Francisco and Dallas, and you know why not start with the Cowgirls and uh, and go from there with San Francisco because. That was, in my estimation, uh, mostly on Dak Prescott. A lot of it. I mean, I I don't want to overstate that because everybody has been doing that. But you kind of have to look at it and you say, they like their defense shut down mostly the the San Francisco run game. They they were able to limit Brock Purdy. They didn't really do that much on offense. They had one big time drive where George Kittle went off. Dak's inner Dak lost them that middle eight badly. That was a really, really, really poorly timed interception. And he just could not really find the strength to put that team on his back and say, this is a championship moment for me. Yeah. I mean, like I said, the defense did, that was Brock Purdy's worst, you know, offensive game since he's taken over this, this team. So the defense did their job, I thought for sure. And, and I mean, you said that the middle eight was, was absolutely killer for the Cowboys. 
And yet again, I mean, they, they get a win, but no, no championship game. Drought continues. And the one game that you picked, like, on the spread, interestingly enough, like, and, you yeah. know, I think you were right because that was the game was literally just turnovers and 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 Dak, you know, just not being able to deliver. Kellen Moore at the end, too. I don't know how we feel about them throwing Zeke out for his last play to play center, which was incredible. I mean. Yeah, I don't really know what was the idea. I mean, I you know, they're trying to get speed on the field for laterals, but they still had linemen out like, I don't know. That was very, very silly. And just got, it was great to watch him get flattened like in half of a second. Like the fact that they practiced that play is like unbelievable. They spent time doing that. Um, like in practice, is Zeke like me? Like <laughs> just seven, maybe we should I maybe guess. spend some more time on red zone offense. You would think, right? But Lou, like you know, I know that you went with Dallas and kind of flipped it off, but I think you were right the last week. What can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, no, the Dallas. I can't pick a negative narrative during the playoffs. That's just. That's all it is. What can I do? You know, I thought we were going to get a little magic at the end. He was going to cover it for us, but Dak just stunk it up. That's it. Black cat. What can't go wrong will go wrong. Dallas Cowboys. See you next year. Oh, well. Let's move on. That now makes it 28 years since a conference title game. Unbelievable. Um, The other game of that day was probably the most shocking, like, development was that Cincinnati actually dominated. Buffalo, not just not just beat them, pulverized and emasculated the big fella Josh Allen, and really more so than anything else, the front seven of the Buffalo defense. That was right away. That was my favorite game of the year. Sorry to cut in real quick. That was absolutely my favorite game of the entire year. All year long, have we preordained Josh Allen and the Bills? Yeah. No Burrow walked in there. Walked out like it was his building. Now he's ready to go to Kansas City. And you know my love for Mahomes. I am so excited for this Sunday night game. I'm so, so, so excited. That That is the game of the weekend, Lou. I'm very excited as well. Um, yeah, Joe Burrow continues to be the king of, like, the clips. I mean, that the clip, you know, the clip, the one of him throwing it in the three. Is this guy just – why is he so cool? I don't get it. Like, I just – anyway. Anyway, <laughs> the guy is just awesome. And from the start, they were just – Absolutely no problem getting the ball down the field. The offensive line was was not, you know, I think the snow was a big help for them, actually, because the defensive line had no yeah. push. The defensive line had slick footing, and they had no push at all on that offensive line, and it wasn't a problem at all. It looked like it was, you know, just just regular things for them. You wouldn't think that they had three, three Band-Aids on that offensive line. They were absolutely dominant on offense. That first drive was like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Look out. Things I mean, are not good. I have – I don't know how many times I've had to say it over the last two years. They are not a outdoor weather team. They just aren't. And they play in Buffalo, which is sad. It's sad that they cannot in December and January function as a defense or as, I mean, their offense is just totally reliant on Josh Allen making plays. It's, it's so obvious. It's, it feels like you could see, like he has, you know, he's obviously putting a lot of pressure on himself. The way he was acting in that game, again, and we've seen it again, where when things are great, he starts to, like, you know, like, power up, and he's on fire, like, and what, things start rolling and rolling and rolling, but he does it the opposite way, where it's, like, it goes downhill, and he's just, you know, compiling mistakes, trying to make way too much happen. We talk, you know, he never checks down, doesn't need to 
he's trying to claw them back of the game and he's trying to do it all in one play. And he's just trying to do these ridiculous things. Uh, like, you know, he's, there was the one throw that he had that's like, he's about to take a sack and he barely like was barely able to make it forward and not backwards. And like almost was a fumble that I think everybody else in the room watching was like, how is that not a fumble? Uh, it, it's just like, you got to stop making everything so important. And every, the la- you know, this play isn't your last. There's a lot of game left. And they had a lot of chances and they just were uh, not moving the ball well at all. And, and, and this is the media narrative all off season. Nobody, I don't know of a single analyst on a national network that did not pick Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl. I don't 100%. know. It was every single person. And you knew, man. I mean, you knew there was no way we could ever bet on them to go to the Super Bowl. We just couldn't do it. And, Lou, you made a good point. The DeMar Hamlin story was a good story, and I, we know how you go for that. Like, it was not a good story, but you know what I mean by that. And, and you know, we thought maybe there would be some magic there, and there just wasn't because they're not built for it. And at the end of the day, I Josh Allen, the decision-making late in games by his coach and by him and late in the season just hasn't been there. So uh, that's disappointing. Real quick question. If Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl this year, are we now having the Mahomes-Burrow debate on who the best quarterback in the league is? It, um, oh, okay. Mahomes-Burrow, I was going to say, I think. I, I'm almost thinking like you slide him in with like everybody's been Mahomes. Allen is like the default too. I think it's going to be like Josh Allen, not so much anymore. But uh, I think Mahomes is still going to hold a spot. You know, I, th- I think Mahomes would still be, but there are going to be plenty of people that are going to. It's already happening this week because again, mm-hmm. people are talk- talking about uh, you know the style of quarterbacking. Mahomes is better off script, but you know, as far as a pure pocket passer, like Burrow's better. And so, like, we're getting into like yeah, the minute debates now on every yes Skip and Steven show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very good point, but we will have a debate nonetheless in the offseason. Uh, the other two games, I, I thought that we don't even have to talk about Philly. I mean, that was a disgusting. Well, I really didn't Giants. like watch the second half of that. Nope. Didn't even care. They played excellent. Their defense was awesome. Um, are they the best team left? Eagles? Yeah. I think I think so. Yeah. I mean, they're still the odds on favorite. They bet yeah. they've really been the best team in the NFL all year, as far as yeah. like that notch above between you know eight and zero start or you know look at eight and zero, eleven and zero, whatever it was. Like, I mean, they've lost one uh, game with Jalen Hurts in the line. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. So, you know, it, they're just tough. They're just the most talented. I think they're the most talented team, no question. Um, the other talented team, and it's the ankle, it's the ankle hurt around the world, right? I mean, it's Chiefs and Jags, and you know that's let's let's credit one big. Big credit to Michigan man Chad Henney, shall we, for winning the game. Because really, I mean, at the end, that could have gone completely sideways right there. And he leads a 98-yard drive. That's insane. Yeah, he's done it a couple times. Like, comes in, you know, for, again, that one or two drives or a quarter here and there, clean up a game. Like, he held he held him in. He didn't turn the ball over, didn't make a mistake. Uh, and then, but then Mahomes was, he, I heard someone else, someone I can't remember who said it, like on Twitter was like, Mahomes on one leg might be the third best quarterback in the league. Like, I mean, he was in the second half. He was fantastic. It's wild. I mean, it's totally wild that they are able to just stay put. And Jacksonville just made so many miscues. The drop pass by Kirk was just brutal. Agnew fumbling at the goal line. The game was really kind of – it was That was it. That put the nail in the coffin. But I was not confident in them coming back. They're on the way, though. They're on the come. They are ready to come back next year. I really believe that. How about how about Dougie P kicking the kicking the field goal, doing the smart thing to get the cover for everybody? That was that was that a boy, Doug, and the under and the and the eight and a half. I mean, that was gold. 
That and this cool. this is this is the bet that should have saved you from going over last week. Again, we had Josh Allen rushing yards didn't hit. Dallas, we said Mahomes over on completions, and he gets like I think he had like twenty two. I think, but he missed he missed the one quarter, and obviously they didn't even throw it as much with him in the second half. But I thought it was still good. And when he came out the second half, it was kind of dealing. I was like, still might get this. We missed a quarter. We still might get this. And then Saquon getting twenty one yards received yeah. is awful. I mean, that's that's brutal. Killing that's me, fun. killing me. Yeah, brutal. Um. It was very exciting, but now we're down to two. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to look at these two games from offensive and defensive perspectives. When the And we'll start with the Eagles and 49ers. When the Eagles' offense is on the field, when the 49ers' defense is on the field. Then we'll flip it vice versa, and then we'll make the pick and do the next following game. So I just want to start with this, and, and we'll just lay it out here for you. Uh, Niners, this line has not moved too much. Niners are a two and a half point dog in Philadelphia. The over under is 46 and a half. I believe it. I don't know if this line came out and it was one and a half or two, but, and then it moved, ticked up. It, I, I assume that's what happened. If it I recall one and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So it went from one and a half up to two and a half. And now it's, now it's kind of cradled there. And I don't think it'll move at all for the rest of the week. It, it just, these two teams are really, really close. And I just want to lay out some numbers for you, Matt, and then we'll go after it. We'll start with the 49ers D versus the Eagles out. Cause I think that's appropriate that we're looking at how fast this 49ers defense is. Um, and, and I, and I want to focus on the RPO game of, of Philadelphia. Cause that's where I think that they're going to really try to attack San Francisco mainly because San Francisco plays the fourth highest amount of zone coverage in the league. And we know that, I mean, that's been their bread and butter for years. Uh, that's going to open up some read option for Hertz here. It also means though, that if San Francisco does go man to man to protect the scheme, protect against the scheme, Hertz has to take his shots down there. I think I looked at I'm just looking up some numbers here, San Francisco 23rd in the league in, in uh, 20 or more yards, air, air yards downfield against defending those passes. They're 23rd in the league. The RPOs are also much easier to defend in man to man. Um, but that means that one of Brown, Goddard, and Smith are going to be left in a mismatch situation in that passing situation. And that puts a ton of stress as well on the safeties and corners to come up and tackle. But we know, you know, I mean, Hufanga is the second coming of Palomalu. He's been unbelievable. He's first-team All-Pro. Congratulations. Um, Tavarius Ward is a very good tackler. I think that they have talent on the perimeter, on the outside, DNs, linebackers, and even out to your corners and safeties. The true battle to me comes in the trenches with San Francisco's defensive tackles. I think that's where the Eagles might have an advantage because San Francisco is so good in the perimeter. If they bounce the, those runs more outside San Francisco, if they can do that, it's going to be to their advantage with their speed. But if the Niners can force Hurts into third and longs, this is where they can get him because he's 17th in the league in EPA expected points uh, added per drop back on third and eight or longer. And that's been a winning formula for teams against them. There's been a couple of instances this year where he's gotten to that situation, but he's not great on third and longs, especially in those passing situations. That has to be done with run defending, though. And, and that's my problem is they're going to see a lot of two or three tight end sets from Philadelphia. And San Francisco has really been just average against those things. They're 13th in the league in EPA per snap against uh, two tight end sets or more, and their 12th in defensive rush success rate. 
There's also a major concern for them about running quarterbacks. They're the 19th ranked team in the league in success rate versus quarterback runs 26 against QB scrambles. So if Hertz is scrambling out of the pocket, that's going to be a major problem. I did not realize looking at these numbers that San Francisco has been vulnerable in deep ball passing and like off script quarterback play. I was very surprised by that. It's been figuring their speed. They've only faced one quarterback this year who's had double-digit carries. That was Justin Fields, week one. They lost that game in the rain. Beef can beat speed for Philadelphia if they do it right. But San Francisco has to force the ball outside, I think. What do you think on this on this front? Yeah, I think this is interesting. I mean, there was also talk, you know, all, all year as far as the Eagles – Offense, not you know, they're not having a very difficult schedule, especially against defensive opponents. So um, I think both sides of the ball, this is probably the hardest defense that these teams have played this year. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, I agree with uh, you know the deep passing threat of of Philadelphia is going to have to take advantage. AJ Brown, they were lucky that they were blowing out the Giants last week. He was able to get a, a lower body injury, hip designation. He just came off the report today, so him not playing last week kind of I think made him healthier, and he's going to be I think crucially crucially important to this game. Um, like I said, sucking them in with the RPOs and he is going to have to take his shots because Hertz, they had the advantage of, again, blowing them out last week. He wasn't particularly super efficient in his passing game. I think he was only, he was like 16 of, of 25, I believe, or, or, mm-hmm. or 15 of 24, something like that. Um, but the wide receiver ones have been torching the 49ers for these past few weeks, especially, you know, since week 11, we saw last week, CD lamb with 10 for 117 and the wild card round date uh, DK was like, I think 11 for 135 or something like that. Like again, in these big body wide receivers, the same kind of build that AJ Brown is. Um, but since week 11, they've allowed uh, 67 and a half catch rate to wideouts, which is 28th, 8.3 yards per target, which is 24th in the league, 187.3 yards per game to wide receivers, which is 29th, and uh, nearly 5% touchdown rate, which is 23rd. So uh, I think that hurts, hoping that, you know, since coming back from injury, he's got to play the Giants twice. Like, again, mm. we really need to see him play this ramped up defense. But at the same time, they have their holes and they have their spots that they can pick them apart. So it's a very, very interesting matchup on the side of the wall. And the 28th ranked schedule in the league for yeah. for the Eagles. And and th- this is why I've been having this conversation with, with my brother, who's a big Eagles fan, just talking about, you know, what are the mismatches? What are the matchups that are going to present problems for them offensively? And I look at Williams and McGlinchey on both sides. Yep. are like so key in this game because 49ers are going to want to force the D tackles to run horizontally. Like they're going to want them to run after on the outside run zone, outside zone run scheme. That's what they want. And and if Williams and, and, uh, and McGlinchey can hold up, and they have held up for most of it, this is a different animal just because of the depth of Philadelphia. And, and I'm just very, very interested in that. I want to talk about the Eagles um, and how they're going to be attacked by the Niners as well. And I think the Niners game plan is more simplistic, honestly. I don't think they're going to do anything outside of their norm to be able to uh, when they attack the Philly front. Um, and I think it's opposite, kind of. The Niners are probably going to attack Philly – outside the scheme against the small perimeter DNs and linebackers. I think the number one difference between the Niners and Eagles, I think is the speed of their linebackers and and how good they are. I think that obviously the Niners are outfitted with three or four of them. 
Philadelphia is just not that deep at linebacker. And I think that that's what they're going to press them to kind of go, you know, a lot of the times when we look at zone run schemes, you'll see, oh, okay, that guard is going to, is going to take whoever's in the gap. There's nobody in the gap. He's moving up to the linebacker. So that's the basic zone run scheme concept. And, you know, it's much more simplistic, but its main purpose, like I said, make them run and chase the ball to the outside. It turns to set up – this is supposed to set up play action for Purdy, right? I mean, and that's what they want to do. Purdy and play action has been awesome so far this year. Philadelphia, heavier on the on the zone schemes in the past defense. They're 12th in, in, uh, in zone coverage snaps in the league. Although I would say that's pretty average, and I think Bradbury and Slay have been so good this year in man-to-man as well, I don't think that that's really going to be that big of an issue for, for Philly to kind of switch in between. Um, my issue is that the depth of Philadelphia's D-tackle position and the impact that two specific D-tackles have made, that would be Limbaugh Joseph and Jordan Davis. When Jordan Davis was out and got back, or was, was on injured reserve, and Linval Joseph hadn't joined the team yet. This is how different the Eagles were in, in rush defense. From weeks 1 through 10, the Eagles were on pace to finish 32nd in the league in rush defense success rate and 31st in EPA per rush. Horrible. But when Davis came back off IR and they signed Linval Joseph to the team, all of a sudden, they were after, from weeks 11 through 18, they were on pace to finish second in the league in rush defense success rate and third in EPA per rush. It has been night and day. They literally went from the worst rush defense in the league to maybe the best in, in just adding those two pieces alone. So that that's what's going to be hard for me. When I look at the tight ends and the wide receiver matchups, yes, like the, the, the goal of the San Francisco offense is going to be to get those guys out in space, but they are fast and physical in the secondary. And I think that they're going to need I, – I do I do worry a little bit, though, I say, about Avante Maddox and, and if he's able to play. Because he's really the key a lot to covering a lot of the slot guys. It, it's going to be a little bit more difficult without him. But I, I still think that Philly probably still has the, the ability to defend those guys and tackle in space. So what do you see about this spot? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting for, for them to try. And, you know, obviously they want to run the ball. They've especially been – running more since Purdy came in. Um, he, he's averaging you know, 28, I think around 27, 28 attempts per game. League average is 34. Um, and that's obviously Shanahan anyway is is, is the, the the king of pounding the rock, especially like you say with the zone run scheme. So um, he's going to get pressured a ton this week, just like he was last week. I mean, he was pressured on 45% of snaps against Dallas last week mm. um, without them having to, again, to, to blitz a ton. Uh even though they they did get home when they they blitzed, so I think the same thing this week. Uh, obviously, you have the Eagles who average four point two sacks per game this year. Four players with over ten sacks, first team Crazy. to ever do that. So it's it going to be wanting to pound the rock and get the ball out fast. But again, I think that the Eagles are pretty well equipped to do that as long as as long as those D tackles you mentioned. I had some stats on them as well. Like same stuff on them. Like they're such a difference maker when those two two guys are in the game. Uh, so they. I think they need to do something different as far as like moving Debo around, moving the calf around. He's a little hobbled with the calf injury, but I think run the ball as much as humanly possible. But I do think that's going to be the Eagles game plan is to load up the box and say, we're going to make this kid who's, you know, starting in his first conference championship game. He's, he's been perfect ever since he came in. Now he's going to go on a road against a really good defense. I think they're going to put all the pressure on him 
to need to throw the ball. So what Dallas did last week with, you know, again, his worst offensive performance yet, uh, they, they increased. It was his largest a dot, his average depth of target of the year, because mm-hmm. they're not letting him get those quick, you know, they're going to pressure at the line, take away the run and try and say, beat us over the top with, with everything. Um, and they have the guys to do it in, in man coverage if they wanted to, you know, like you were saying, Bradbury and, and, and Slay, I think that's a, that's a strength that they can lean on there. So, um, I think it's going to put a, the Eagles are going to put a lot of pressure uh, in the pocket and just to have to kind of move the ball all himself on offense for Purdy. I think they're going to do all they can to just limit this running game. I mean, McCaffrey's injured and, and Mitchell's injured on the, on the report. Yeah. So I really think that Debo, I think Debo is going to see a lot of time in the backfield, whether it's running the ball or just trying to maybe again, run out into the flats. That's going to be a way, you know, they're going to be trying to throw to him probably even behind the line of scrimmage even more so. Um, than these drag routes and stuff if they're going to load, load up the box in front of them. So, I do wonder the, – the one guy I do wonder about is the same guy that had a great game last week, and that is, you know, with Maddox out and them having to shuffle guys around, if, if uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson has to go play safety or with, like, Marcus Epps, I do wonder how Kittle gets involved. I, I feel like Kittle might be the secret sauce coming out over the middle. I think that that could be a spot where Shanahan might throw in – a little bit more wrinkles into hey let's feed let's feed George let's just feed George and let him go crazy because I feel I feel like in some ways the Eagles safeties are somewhat exposed so I, I don't know this is this is to me the best game I, it's the game I've wanted to see the entire year because I wanted to see is Philly for real can they play against a real good solid defense you know they've done it against against Dallas and I thought Dallas was probably the best defense that they've played outside of what they're going to play in San Francisco. But this is definitely different because there's way more talent on this side of the ball for San Francisco. All right. So moment of truth. Who are we picking there? So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty prop heavy this week. Uh, as far as okay. picking, picking a side in this game, I have my San Francisco future, but I, I am going to lean Eagles here. Again, I do think mm. it, it does feel to me again. I think that all the pressure is going to be on Purdy and it's just going to be a lot for him in as a, as a young kid in a conference championship to go into a, a ruthless environment. It's unfortunately not the night game because then maybe even the, be even rowdier uh, through a few more yinglings, but I think it's going to be a really, really tough environment. Um, we mentioned like, the pressure. I mean, they, he's going to be, they're going to be in his face all game. They were all, but they were last week and his decision-making was pretty good under, under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he can continue to be flawless and continue to be great, I mean, good on him, but I'm just not going to put my chips on that side of the table. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, for me, and we'll get to your props in a second. I just think the margin of error is so small in these games, like especially in this game, because it really will be a battle at the line of scrimmage. I feel like Philly should win this game if they just play their game plan and execute it. They should, right? I think I think they have the better, like more talent, uh, you know, at the aggregate. And if they just play their game plan and execute it, they should win. I think the Niners are probably going to need a turnover or two and some ball bounces. Um, the Eagles don't do that, though. The Eagles are a plus eight turnover differential team that's third in the league. Now, San Francisco is plus 10, sure, but – you know, and so they force a lot of turnovers. So that's going to be a battle. I mean, if San Francisco can get some turnovers, 
do think that they could definitely flip the game on its head. But the bottom line is, to me, I think Philly just has to do less to win this game. They, I, that's that's my take on it. They have to do less to win it where San Francisco needs extra from not only their defense, but they need it from their rookie quarterback. And I'm just not going to put my chips in that basket. I'm sitting pretty in this game. I feel great. I don't have to worry about anything. I have Philadelphia at 14-1 to to win the NFC and San Francisco at 8-1 to to win the NFC. So I feel van-freaking-tastic. Um, I will. I might fall asleep. Who knows? But I, I'm be sitting pretty. But the I, my official pick, and this is kind of a two part strategy. My official pick is going to be Eagles money line minus one forty five, because I, I I do think it could be that close. And I think with the Eagles being this short of a favorite at home, I, I would just lay the money line, set it, and forget it. My real strategy would be, I really think the Eagles are going to win this game. If you want to right now take an Eagles ticket to win the Super Bowl at plus 250, which means that next week you get them 250 to to win the game, I mean, I don't see how you can't do that. So that's where I put my money this week is, is I, I just said, hey, I'm taking Eagles to win the Super Bowl because I think they're going to get there. I really do. I think the Eagles are going to be playing just like my preseason pick. I just feel good about it. I that that is That was my hedge as well. I didn't – again, I didn't bet this game itself – uh, for for my Niners future, uh, but I bet actually I had a five dollar free bet, so I I went a little different strategy. I bet the Eagles to beat both teams in the in the ah. you know, so and they were five. I believe it was plus five hundred, or yeah, it was plus five hundred to beat the Bengals or plus five fifty to beat the Chiefs. So I used uh, uh, just a uh, just a five dollar free bet on one of those and threw another ten bucks. Uh, I think I I did lean heavier. I won't say which side because uh that'll ruin where we're going to do on the next game. But I leaned heavier on one side where I think it's going to win the next game. Ah, good transition. So, what about props? What well, I say think? props, we can't, can't can't forget those. Yeah. So, uh again, wonder why I had so many AJ Brown stats. I think the AJ Brown <laughs> as soon as, as soon as he came off the injury report today, uh, I really think that that is going to be the opportunity for them um to attack in this one because again, I I agree as much as the RPOs, I think Jalen Hurts has been running a lot less too. Um, I mean, again, he's only played the Giants twice, but he's had 13, 13 yards and 31 yards, uh, respectively. So not his, you know, earlier season numbers. I still think that he, he's trying not to take context as much. Again, it's like, I can't get re-injured now. Like we got two, I got two important games ahead of me. Like you got to do what you got to do to take the hits, but you also got to stay, stay healthy for these games because you're useless on the sidelines. So, um, uh, but so I think they're going to take the shots with AJ Brown. Hurts is going to be rushing less. So we've got Hurts under. 46 and a half rushing yards. I think that that number is pretty high at 46 and a half. Uh, you know, that would be, I, I think they're going to be able to get it in enough other ways that they aren't going to have to put him too much in harm's way. And again, they're fat. The defense is fast enough that San Francisco, I don't think is going to give up like explosive runs. Like again, they're, they're really good at kind of, he'll be able to get those important moving the ball, moving the chains runs. But um, I, I think breaking the big one, uh, not so much. I also have, I, I just, I, a lot of different ways to attack AJ Brown. I went with his longest catch over 27 and a half yards hmm. um, because there is, uh, I believe it's the past 10 games. The Niners have given up a reception of at least over 25 yards uh, to a receiver. We mentioned like said, how they were getting cooked uh, by all those receivers. And this is, this is AJ Brown. This is what he does is big time, long catches. Um, <laughs> if he's taking his, his longest catch uh, in each game this season, uh, he has a ton of really long game, like a 72 yard bomb, like one of the last weeks of the regular season. His average of those games is 36 and a half, and his median 
uh, if you line up all of his games for the regular season, is 33 uh, for all 17 regular season games that he played. So I think it's at 27 and a half. Uh, the deep threat guy who's really physical that has, you know, these receivers have been beating the exact type of receiver that's been beating the Niners these past few weeks. Uh, oh, getting him at 27 and a half. Thanks. Great. And then I see that happening and maybe breaking free to the end zone. So AJ Brown, anytime touchdown plus mm. 155. So those are my three plays for this game. Heavy. I was also maybe looking at a little, uh, I, I was thinking about McCa- uh, McCaffrey or Mitchell under Mitchell's numbers aren't out yet. Uh, or sorry, McCaffrey under or Mitchell over. So I'm waiting to see about that because I think Mitchell might get some more run in this game than McCaffrey. The snaps have been uh, going more to 50-50 versus like two to, uh, you know, two-thirds to McCaffrey and a third to Mitchell. It's been, been getting closer. Mitchell's been getting a lot more snaps recently. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I do like the A.J. Brown one. I did hear a really good stat that San Francisco is like 26th in the league or something, bottom 10 in the league against – the non top two options uh, for pass catchers. So there's a lot of steam. I feel like on Quez Watkins this week to have a big game and possibly get, get hit with, you know, kind of like the, you know, just picking up the crumbs from Smith and Brown. But I think mm-hmm. you're right with Brown just because one of those three is going to be open. If they go to man at any point, one of those three is getting the ball. You know, and I, I think that's and I just think that's the guy that Hurts looks for in those spots mm-hmm. too. I think you know he sees he sees Brown one on one and his his eyes are glowing. He's just waiting. I agree. I agree. Well, so we both have the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Who will they play in Arizona in mid February? We're about to pick it now. As you can imagine, with the Mahomes injury. This line has been literally all over the place. This opened Chiefs minus one and a half, and it got all the way back to Bengals minus two and a half. It was wild. Until yesterday, Wednesday, when everybody saw Mahomes at practice and he looked like he could at least jog, that he was a full participant in practice. So now the line has swung all the way back to Chiefs minus one. So... Not really much of uh, a middle spot here for this. I would say the, the, the news was on Twitter. I mean, we saw he stepped off of a podium and the line moved two points. Like it was like, oh, well, you see him step off the podium with that with the ankle. I was like, I thought we were freaking out a little bit of that today. I was able to at least see him practicing and taking drills. And I'm like, okay, now we're now I'm talking. But mm-hmm. literally, him Twitter was like, he walked out of the press conference without limping. It's like, okay, I mean, it's not playing quarterback necessarily. And I'm sitting here, and 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 we'll get into it when we make the pick. But I'm sitting here with like all these different picks, saying, "Oh, I've got getting great value on on this team," and blah blah. blah. And then the line moves, and it's like, "All right, well, maybe I didn't get great value on them." So we'll see. We'll see where we go. But um, the over under is 47 and a half, by the way, which I find quite interesting. It is going to be deathly cold in Kansas City on Sunday night. I believe it's going to be like 15 degrees. Uh, if I remember correctly, actually, I have it up right here. There it is. Uh, Sunday night, twelve degrees, ten to fifteen miles an hour. So, Ooh. Uh, see, it actually it t- it's already ticked up to forty eight as well. I think again, there's been wow. the, the the more the more Mahomes news that comes out, it's just going to make the Chiefs a bigger favorite, and the over is going to keep going back up. Is what I well, think. and, it's, and it should. it's come all the way down. Yeah. The the one concern to me is wind, and and the wind is is between ten and fifteen miles an hour for this game. But you can't really predict that a lot. And cold weather actually does do better for overs. So I want to start with Cincinnati's offense, if you don't mind. And we'll go from there against Steve Spagnola and the Kansas City defense. And make it kind of interesting. 
what could possibly be the strategy? What could we think about? I think the answer lies in a couple of tendencies that we see almost every quarterback, that every solid quarterback at least, that the Chiefs play. And that is Spagnola's exotic blitzes. I think that that's where we're going with this. The Chiefs are really an average blitz team by, by the numbers, but it's timely blitzes and blitzes that are seldom seen on the tape that Spags uses to make the quarterbacks crack, if you will. Against the Bengals in the three starts that they've had against Burrow, Kansas City blitzed an average of eight times per game. When they did that, Cincinnati had a passing first down conversion rate of 50%. And look, you say, okay, well, basically a wash, right? You know, they got first downs on half those on half those possessions and half those pass plays. The problem is some of those pass plays that he got first downs on were 30 and 35 yard passes. So big chunk plays, which could could flip the game. So I think that's been interesting. Burrow has actually been much more average this year against the five-man pressures, against the six-man pressures than in 2021. So it's kind of interesting how, you know, they're going to set this whole thing up, especially in those passing down situations. I'm not really looking at the run game much here because I think the secret to this game does lie in this, uh, you know, third and longs and second and long passing games, you know, and I want to know, and can, can Cincinnati's running backs hold up in pass protection? They haven't really had to pass protect, though, because that O-line, even with all these starters out, has been just much, much better against five-man pressures. And and the, the great thing, and, and I don't know if you've noticed this this year or not, Matt, but have you noticed that last year really what we talked about with Cincinnati's offense was the deep ball, vertical passing game to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and getting the ball down the field. They have not been that this year. And Burrow's numbers have skyrocketed because of it. He's been passing the ball over the middle of the field quicker. I mean, we've talked about that too, quickly getting the ball out of the field. That's why so many people call him, you know, baby Brady, you know, because that's his strategy. And at least it has been this point. And I think that if the Chase injury earlier in the season helped them a lot with that offensive strategy and and not having to rely on his deep downfield capabilities. He's been checking the de- checking down the ball more. He's been said so now he's a check down quarterback, um, you know, this year. And, and that's caused his numbers. Like I said, to go way up, he's completing easier throws over the middle. They're less risky. He's also been a much better runner this year. He's third in rushing success rate as a quarterback this year. He has five rushing touchdowns. That's a lot for a quarterback. Like that is, especially one that we don't really think of as a running quarterback, it's Burrow. And it's not just scrambles. It's it's actually also designed runs. But I've always loved, since he was at LSU, Burrow's ability to throw while he's on the run out, outside of the pocket. Kansas City is 22nd in the league in total EPA allowed on quarterback scrambles. 22nd in the league. He is deadly on those things. I mean – this is definitely going to be like, I, I think we can walk into it and say, yeah, it's advantage Cincinnati, but can they get to Burrow in, a, in a, an exotic way, in a timely way? It could flip the game, maybe cause a turnover. The problem is that Burrow has just been so, so nasty. 300, 400 yard games against this defense. 
this is going to be a tough task for Kansas City. Yeah, I, I, I know. I said Spags dialing up the blitzes is definitely like what we're, we have our eyes on here. But how how exotic and how different are they going to be than the other few games? That's that's the big question. Again, it's like usually it shows success over and over again with particular quarterbacks. As much as maybe you said Burrow's numbers are dipped this year against the blitz, he's still one of the better quarterbacks I would think in the league against the blitz. We know last year he absolutely torches it. He's able to again because he is so cerebral. He's able to to, to, to diagnose where it's coming from, even if it is exotic in design. So. Uh, but no doubt, I mean, he's going to be under pressure more so than he was last week. We're talking about, with the snow last week, very, very hard for, for a defensive line to get pressure with slick footing and be able to lean into another 300-pounder across from him and move him. Like, it's it's very hard to do. So, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they are going to be able to get home. Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks this regular season. So, Crazy. they're fifth in the league in pressure rate. They will get home more so. So I, But I just – Cincinnati going in, I think, knows that. They're so aware of that. They're so in the same spot that they were last year and should have the di- the diagram and the game plan for it. So it will be a bigger problem, but I think that they have the pieces to do it. Um, you're going to see, again, Samaj P. Ryan's been getting more snaps. That is all because of offensive line. He's a better pass blocker than Joe Mixon is. So uh, avoid Joe Mixon overs this week. We, again, we've been hitting some of those going through some, some unders this week. So um, I, I haven't played any of those myself, but avoid Joe Mixon overs is all I'm going to say there because Samaj P. Ryan is – expected to play a lot more snaps than he has been. Um, and I'm also looking at, again, I think a, a really good safety valve um, is Hayden Hurst. Uh, I, I think you mentioned mm. him earlier, like I think him being over the field um, in the game they played earlier this season, he got hurt very early on. He had three targets on six routes run earlier this season, but he was hurt like, you know, very, very early on in the game. So he was targeted on half of his routes run uh, that last game before leaving. So I think that he is going to be, uh, in a really good spot here as well. It, 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 I think that's it again. It's it. We know the strategy. We know what's going to happen here. Yeah. But is Burrow better than Spagnola? And I would bet probably. Yeah. I think again, he's just he's done, done, it, time, he's done yeah. it time and time again. He, he's Spagnola's daddy. <laughs> he just, I mean, at least at this point, I mean, he just owns him. And it's crazy. It's, it's just unbelievable how good he has been against him. So, yes, we are going to see more than likely a successful day for Joe Burrow. That doesn't necessarily mean that the Bengals are going to win this game. Because Kansas City, I mean, Matt, I'll be honest and straight up, I just don't see this game not being played in the 30s. Like, I just, I just don't. Like, I really do think that this game will get there. Uh, it, it's just advantage offense here. Yeah. Now – I do think, obviously, though, that and, – and I'm going to throw the injury thing out. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I know that some people do. If he's on the field, I'm sorry. He's deadly. Like, Mahomes is on the field. Like you said, on one leg, he's the third-best quarterback in the league. So it's like, you know, what am I supposed to do here? And, and factoring in a one-point spread with Mahomes with an ankle, and he's going to play anyway, you know? Maybe he won't be as elusive. Who knows? And and maybe they'll take advantage of that. But I think I think here you're going to see Lou Anaromo and his defense. They've done something that you know nobody has done better than, and and that's limit Patrick Mahomes and and cause him confusion. Um, you know I, I think it's been the toughest matchup for him in the last three matchups. He has preferred to bring blitzes. Uh, especially on third and fourth down versus Mahomes. He had Cincinnati had its highest blitz rate games of the year 
against last year against Kansas City in the regular season, this year against Kansas City in the regular season. Highest blitz rate of the year. Now, in the latest matchup, they got the better of Mahomes in the first half, but in the second half, he figured it out. Like he exposed it and he started throwing more quick game over the middle, like kind of Kelsey filling the holes of, of the blitzers. You know what I mean? So that's not what brought Cincinnati success last year in that AFC championship game. Cincinnati was dropping eight men into coverage all day long in, in that game. It was the highest rate. I believe they said that they dropped eight man coverage 18 times in that game. It was absurd how much they did that. And that fooled Mahomes. He was fooled by that in week 13 as well. And they got a big sack and a fumble that kind of sealed the game. The question is to me, I don't really think that the Chiefs really need to go with heavy packages, quote unquote, to, to, to stifle that pass rush because I think that their offensive line, Tooney didn't play in the game in week 13. They have a much healthier offensive line now. Their offensive line is sick, especially interiorly. Um, but Kansas City, oddly enough, has been in the 12 personnel, personnel and the 13 personnel a lot more this year rather than in years past where they've been in open 11 personnel. And when we say, you know, 12, it's obviously one running back, two tight ends, 11, one running back, one tight end. Um, obviously this has to do with you know, their rise in 12 personnel and their drop in 11 personnel. Tyreek's not there. So of course that's going to be the case and using Kelsey as a wide receiver basically a lot. And that's the way Cincinnati has treated him. But we've also seen an uptick in two guys, Noah Gray and Blake Bell. The 13 personnel has been fascinating to watch. I mean, how many big plays has Kansas City made with, with Blake Bell and Noah Gray? I feel like every single game I'm seeing Noah Gray catch a big first down on a third down. And, and, and it's the magic of Andy Reid. Did you realize that out of 13 personnel, Kansas City is the number one team in that personnel grouping and offensive success rate? Not only that, their explosive passing rate in 13 personnel and three tight end sets is higher than the Miami Dolphins number one success rate or explosive pass rate who had the number one explosive pass rate offense in the league. I mean, that's unbelievable coaching right there. Unbelievable game plan. And that really worked well against Cincinnati's defense in both pass and run. I mean, how good has Pacheco been? Pacheco had that huge run in the game on that Chad Henney drive. The last three games that they've played against Kansas city, the Cincinnati defense, were three of the four worst games for them in terms of rushing success rate. And, you know, Pacheco and McKinnon, McKinnon's been a Swiss Army knife. He's been great. They couldn't could create a lot of problems. So this is a fascinating one. Again, another chess match, Andy Reid versus Lou Anaromo, Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor versus Steve Spagnola. I mean, this is definitely much more of a chess match than the other one because the other game really deals with line of scrimmage and trench warfare. This just deals with matchups, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Right, yeah, I feel like this one, again, it's like, again, I was trying to get to it with, like, Cincinnati. I just couldn't sum it up. It's like, we know what's going to happen. It's just which side's going to execute better, and it's kind of the same thing here. Um, and I, you mentioned about the drop eight, and I think, you know, it is so funny that they they contrast with, again, with you said, you know, heavy blitzing, and then not, like, it, it's really going from, you know, rushing three to then rushing five. They probably, probably, you know, rushing four the least amount, which is just such, a, again, a, a very unconventional and, and difficult, difficult thing to kind of, break down you don't see it a ton um and, and benjamin solak from the ringer put out a, a fantastic you know piece on his twitter today that, that broke down this side of the ball really well and i had to share with everybody so um what they've done so well against 
um, their Cincinnati's defense against elite quarterbacks. And he classified that as uh, the quarterbacks they've played over the past couple of years of Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Aaron Rodgers in 2021 when he won the MVP, just so people don't say about you know being this year or anything like that. In those eight games, three of them coming against Mahomes, they held quarterbacks to negative 0.03 EPA per dropback, mm. which is the equivalent of 2022 Mac Jones. Uh, Dan, was that was he very Whoa. good this year? Was he Ooh. very good? No, that's not very Ooh, good. that stat. Blame right. Matt Patricia. <laughs> I lied. That was a perfect comparison. I was very happy he did that. Um, and again, he, he highlighted them, them dropping eight and holding the ball more. And what they had to worry about then was – Okay, we're gonna we're gonna drop everybody into coverage, take this away, make Mahomes hold on to the ball, make him go through all of his progressions, and then survive the scrambles. Surviving the scrambles now on a bum ankle is is far less threatening to them. I mean, I think some people are thinking like I was Ivy was going into it thinking, oh, bad ankle, we're gonna blitz Mahomes, we gotta speed him up, we gotta do this. But they might again be more happy to drop, drop eight make him have to buy time in the pocket, make him have to, you know, not be able to get the ball out fast, drop eight. And I think that that's really going to work and really going to mess him up, especially if he's not able to scramble as much. So instead of, you know, blitzing a ton, they are going to drop back and say, go through all your progressions and try and buy time on, on a bad leg. I, I think that's a good point is, hey, let's go vertical passing game. Let's make them go vertical. Let's make him throw it down the field and put pressure on that leg because he has to. Right. I mean, and if Hubbard, Hubbard and Hendrickson, man, like they could wreck this game. I mean, they could really wreck this game if they want to. So and DJ Reader, that's the other thing. DJ Reader didn't play in this game last year. He did not. Now he played against them this year and he and he, and he did pretty well. But th- this is going to be fascinating. They, they really could wreck this game. I am very, very excited to see because this game, I think, is definitely, you know, not as gladiator and more like, you know, just mind, mind we have tricks. Finesse and star power in this. We game. do. Like, we that's really what do. that's what this game is. This game is like, I, I think, I think there'll be like bigger plays in this game. Yes, you know what I mean. The other one's going to be a, a rock fight, kind of, but this one's going to be, I don't know. There's, there's an excitement. There's kind of a what, what can happen around any corner, any snap of the football. What is going to happen? <laughs> Oh, man. God, I love it. Really, conference championship weekend is the most pure form of football because it really is just juicy, juicy matchup. Okay. Moment of truth. I know you're going to have some props, but do you have a side? Cincinnati. They've done it time and time again here. And I think you might have said it like, again, thinking they got the best number. I bet them at a money line minus 120 when it was they were still favorite. And I thought that that was going to be good. And then Mahomes again, Mahomes stepped off the podium and then it flipped to money line minus one Oh six. So for the show, I'll take Cincinnati money line minus one Oh six. I don't know. They've just got a certain feel about them. I had again, watching it last week. Like they are, they are really one of these teams. I think come playoff time every single year, no matter how they look in the regular season is going to be super, super hard to go against. And a lot of it's Joe cool. A lot of it's just Joe cool. Joe cool. I, I, you know, it's so fun. I get, so in the in the in the off season when we were talking about them, we said there is no way that the Rams or the Bengals are going to get back. We said that after the Super Bowl last year. I mean, we were like, "There's no way these teams are going back. There's just no way." And it has really amazed me how how the Bengals have have gotten back there. It really has. 
No. Joe Burrow is 20 and five against the spread in his last 25 games. That is stupid. That is stupid. But me- meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes, if he if this if were to flip back to them being a dog, Patrick Mahomes is is, is seven one one at anything I think below a below a three point uh, favorite. So, which side, which trend do you want to go with there? Right, I know that's like which trend do you want? And you know, I look at both and I said they're both juicy. Like you're telling me, I get Mahomes, and it sounds like he's healthy. You know, at home in the playoffs as a one point favorite. I mean, that's pretty enticing. And if Kansas City, if Mahomes is fully healthy and all the trappings of, of his athleticism, I would be a lot more scared. But I agree with you. I just think Anna Romo's defense has so many options to attack him with and has been more successful at adjusting in-game than Spagnola has in these matchups. Joe Burrow, the reason why you trust him, and it's Joe Cool. Is because he's Brady esque. That's what it is. It's the fire. It's it's the will to win. Bending the games to his will like Thanos. Snap the fingers, touchdown. I mean, it is he's been that good against this team, regardless of the injury. I just think Cincinnati presents bad matchups for Kansas City. I think whoever wins the time of possession will win the game because both teams had really good rushing days against each other when they played in week 13. Cincinnati had the ball for 32 minutes, and they got a very timely turnover. I got the Bengals at plus one early. I got the Bengals at minus one. I kept betting up and up and up. And I'm like, oh, two and a half, got two really, really good numbers, and bang, it's back on plus one. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, well, that sucks. But, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to lay low on this considering my position in the other game and just kind of sit back and be like, okay, I, I, let's go. Joe Cool. Well, I certainly have a couple of props for you based on the stats that you were giving out. Uh Uh, You did mention that Joe Burrow has been rushing the ball a ton more. And I think that not only uh, just recently, I think, again, offensive line problems causes more scrambles. Uh, His scramble numbers have gone up since the first offensive first uh, tackle went down. And they've gone up and up and up every game since then as far as his his, his scrambling attempt and getting out of the pocket more. So uh, he is going to be looking to run and. And quarterbacks in general, we see it all the time with again, with with Mahomes, with Allen, that their rush yards go up during the playoff because they are so much more willing to like fight for those yards to get the first down, to take off, to call their, you know, to try and get put the game on their shoulders to get that. So Joe Burrow, uh, right now, you can get over 17 and a half rushing yards mm. at minus 114. And as well as like you said, the Chiefs have been very bad against the rushing quarterback. Like it's it's a great matchup as far as he's rushing more. They're bad about stopping it. And this number has not adjusted yet. I mean, they've allowed, I think over, they've allowed over 23 rushing yards in their past, uh, since the bye week. So whatever point that was, since the bye week, they've allowed at least 23 rushing yards to the quarterback since then. And we only need to get to over 17 and a half. Wow, that's a hammer play. And something that he did in the last game against the Chiefs, Burrow anytime touchdown right now is plus 490. He had a, he had a rushing touchdown. In that game. So plus 490, almost 500, five to one on Burrow anytime touchdown. We are definitely going to put a little on that as well. But at the same time, can't acknowledge that the offensive line is going to be a problem. I did say Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks during the regular season. I think the big man's going to be able to get home at least once in this game. So Chris Jones to record a sack is minus 122. I think that's a pretty good number there. It's nothing crazy juiced up. I thought those would be a lot higher. Um, and then one last one here I do have uh, Isaiah Pacheco over 11 and a half rushing attempts hmm. because I think that he will have to try and, you know, limit, limit 
how much Mahomes has to walk backwards and drop back too fast. You know, they're going to have to mix him in probably earlier rather than later, ideally for them. I do, I do think they want to pack the punch offensively in the run game. And Pacheco's the guy that runs angry. He, that's what he I, does. I, I can see. I can see first drive them him getting five, five, six attempts at the first drive. If they're trying to really like, let's say like, you know, run it right out and pack the punch. So, uh, you know, 11 and a half attempts for him the past couple of weeks, he hasn't been that high, but he, you know, McKinnon has gotten more snaps, but uh, again, from week 10 to week 16 this year, he was over that every single, every single mark uh, of that time he was, he was over it. So I think that when it comes to rushing, uh, he is going to be in there more. But McKinnon's really like, more passing work. He has gotten some run though. I love it. The other thing I love is the over. I do. I do really, I, I know think it's that, cliche, but I looking at the numbers, I do really like it. I agree. I think that it's come down. I think Mahomes is going to be dealing. I, I I haven't put that one in yet. To hear you say that, I think we're. I, I'm definitely locking that in because it's at. It is ticking up to 48, and I think it's. Uh, oh, actually, there's 47 and a half right now, so we're going to hit that. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. I love it. So we're both mind melding, Eagles. Yeah, money line and Bengals. What a well, there's, super. There's your, there's your parlay. There's your money line parlay. There's your money line parlay. <laughs> that's that's a what minus 145 and. What plus one hundred five or that actually minus... might not be too bad. Let's see. Let's see. Let's yeah. see. What would that give you if you did those two? Minus one forty eight and plus one hundred two. Uh, it's still plus two forty. Plus two forty is not bad. But again, you know what? Yeah. Again, it doesn't even get you a bigger return than betting the Eagles for the Super Bowl. Right. Like we were saying that earlier. So yeah. 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 And and you can get said... both those teams each, and Bengals are plus two sixty. So yeah, you oh, can get both. Okay. You can get both those teams at over that number. To bet the Super Bowl, so I would just bet. Take take what did you put in the parlay? Split it in half. Put it on win Super Bowl. Seriously, because you know I, I do not think that the Bengals will be less than two and a half or more than two and a half, more than two. No, all like, the you know? the preview lines are out for the Super Bowl, and I think okay. So go every, ahead. Every single one is minus one. All the matchups. Uh, I shit, I saw it. Yeah. So, uh, KC and Eagles. KC is minus one, which is crazy. That's uh, crazy. Cincy and Eagles would be uh, Eagles minus one and a half. KC uh, and Niners would be KC minus one, and Bengals and Niners would be bang, uh, would be Niners minus one. So the, everything is within two points. They really, point they really want KC over the Eagles is nuts. KC over the Eagles is nuts. I would venture the KC if if the 49ers go out there and beat the Eagles, like, and now they're going to be an underdog, like. And they're playing a much worse defense. Like I don't know. Like, and there's the motivation factor of them getting revenge from the last Super Bowl. Wild. Yeah, I mean, Casey, Casey and Eagles, Andy Reid. I mean, that is just that's, that's a fun nuts. one. That's, that's a good nuts full that's circle. A really right good there. matchup. Yeah, that's a full really circle. good story. So, speaking of stories, we'll ha- we'll have Super Bowl stories next week. Oh no, no. So speaking oh, of yeah. speaking of stories, lines and stories, Lou. I know we're, we're at an hour and Lou's freaking out, so he's going to make Oh, no, we're, we're right there. Lou, like before the season, you you tried to talk us possibly into like a like an Arizona going to play in the Super Bowl because it's in their stadium and there's been well, the that, last that, two Super Bowls. It'd be the third time in Yeah, I didn't actually think Arizona would make it to the No, I because I, I, I believe you had, you had uh, uh, what, Tampa and Kansas City? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Kansas City. Sounds right. I, I know it's Kansas City. I don't remember. Honestly, yeah. No, I, I don't remember. Uh, I know you're asking for a narrative here. I really don't yeah. pick this because I haven't picked one right yet. 
Uh, so what's the narrative Super Bowl? The narrative oh, Super Bowl. Oh, so if I haven't picked one right yet, that means I need it to be Cincinnati versus the Niners so that I can see Kansas City versus the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> I need it to go for that's what you want. <laughs> yes, I do. I want to see Mahomes versus Hurts. Mahomes is probably going to get the MVP. We need Hurts to get a little uh, revenge versus that if he does get it mm. uh, and to show him who the real MVP is or not. Uh, right. that's, that's what I want to see, even though I, I think the Bengals are probably the better team. The Bengals are probably a better team. Uh, Brock Purdy, I mean, that's a narrative in itself. Mr. Irrelevant, Mr. Relevant, whatever you want to call him, last pick in the draft, leads the team to the Super Bowl. Crazy. I, I think it would be interesting to see Bengals Niners because of the, the two win streaks. You know, that would be that would be kind of interesting. That, but they're both what one's on a 10 game win streak, the other's on a like 12 11, game or 11 yeah, game 11, win streak. 12, yeah. Yeah. You know, and and the history of those the third matchup because they played twice in the eighties, and and they and the Niners beat them is a famous uh, Joe Joe Montana drive at the end of the game to win the game. Like there's there's so many so many things so many things. What if the Chris Bengals... Collinsworth will be in full garb there? Oh yeah, he won't know what to say. Uh, what if the Bengals are the new Bills and they lose four in a row? What? <laughs> oh man, over? don't put that on Joe Burrow. Don't I like Joe Cool. Don't yeah. put that on Joe Cool. I know. Trust me, I'm going to be I've <laughs> seen a lot. There's, you know, there's a big TikTok fangirling of Joe Burrow going right now. Like I I I will admit I'm I'm right there with him. Like I'm, I'm right there with, you know, the fangirling of Joe Burrow. Like again, I can't get over how cool that clip was last week. I still watch it. I still pull it up. I will say I do want the two AFC teams. Whichever one wins this weekend, I do want that team to win the Super Bowl. I will I, I feel like I'm right there. I feel like I am right there with you. Yeah. I'm on a complete opposite end. <laughs> I want the NFC team, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, should be a lot of fun. I'm super excited. I think whatever we get, whatever we get, Eagles, Bengals, 49ers, Chiefs, whatever it is, it, it is going to be two weeks of a lot of fun speculation about because all, all four of these teams are really, really, really interesting. You know, mm. I, I really think that they both have all four really good stories. So it can only be two, but we will remain three when we come back next week on the Sunday card. Uh, Lou, thank you, my friend, season long. We have a very special episode next week. Tune into it. We'll let you know when we get there. It'll be a lot of fun, but, you know, we might have a surprise here and there in store for next week's show as we do kind of the in-between the Super Bowl weeks. Um it should be a great time. Ready to roll. Ready for the Super Bowl. Ready to Ready roll. for conference championship weekend. This is the weekend. It's got to make up for this big weekend last weekend. Yes. Better send those refunds. Also, <laughs> better send those refunds, Joe. Mm, that really was good. That really was good. All right. For Maddie Ice, Maddie C. Metzler, and for our steam producer, Lemon Pepper, Lou Paracone, I am Dan Zambano. Championship Sunday, boys. All engines go. Who day? <laughs> who day? You're about to find out who day's in the Super Bowl. We'll see you next week on the Sunday card. The Sunday Card Podcast is co-hosted and directed by Dan Zampano, co-hosted by Matt Silbreth, and produced by Lou Paracone.
You can listen to The Sunday Card on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen to us on Sports Country Radio at sportscountry.net at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m. on Saturdays, and again at 11.30 a.m. on Sundays. Follow us on Twitter for all of our picks throughout the regular season at The Sunday Card. And remember, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.